Well, good morning. It's a joy to be sharing God's word with you this morning. We are in a series called The Most Interesting Man in the World, and we're talking about Jesus. And we're looking at his I am statements, and today's statement is, I am the good shepherd. Now, I have a confession to make. I really, really, really do not like running. I don't like jogging. I don't like sprinting. I don't like anything to do with running. Anybody want to make me feel a little better about that? (laughs) All right. Thank you. Uh, Now, don't get me wrong. I like exercising. I like running to catch a ball. Uh, I like running if I'm going to throw a ball or something like that, but I'm really a biker. I, give me a road bike, give me a dirt bike. Uh, yeah, just I love biking. It is adventurous and fun and not nearly as laborious as running. So please, please don't ask me to run. One of my wife's and I's best friends from our seminary years and beyond was Lindsay Dean Ratchford. We call her LDR for short, and she works for World Vision. World Vision is a Christian nonprofit organization that focuses on humanitarian aid, development, and advocacy. Our friend Lindsay's role while we were in seminary and beyond were the clean water initiatives of World Vision. And her job is to recruit people and worshiping communities to run for clean water. Sorry, just a moment. There it is. World Vision hosts or joins marathons, and the idea is for runners to sign up, ask people to sponsor them, and then run the race. And Lindsay is the right person for her job. She's really deeply passionate about her work. She's passionate about justice. She's passionate about people and her relationship with her God. She's deeply passionate about making sure every living human being has access to clean water in the world. Lindsay's one of those people. She's all in in her calling. And for years, Lindsay asked me to participate in a marathon. And I always politely declined because I hate running. I would see her on the seminary campus and and go a different direction. Um, Eventually, she became really entrenched in my life because my, my now wife was her roommate. Uh, for several years before we got married. But eventually I just started handing her $20 bills every time I saw her. I thought maybe if I go on this side of it, she'll relent on the other side. Uh, But she didn't. But I would say, here's $20 for clean water. Um, There's another thing too. I don't like asking people for money to sponsor me. It's just as uncomfortable. But then she convinced my wife to run. And then she convinced all my other friends to run. And then she convinced 40% of our church to run, the 40% that could. And I still said no. I held my position because I really just don't like running. But the day did come where I finally broke down. After eight years of saying no, my now next door neighbor for (laughs) five years, Lindsay, texts me during the pandemic. She says, I know you don't like running. I, don't, I know you don't like doing group runs. You're not a morning person. And you've given lots of money to this, and I'm so thankful. Uh, but there's a new, they're doing it in a new way during the pandemic. You can run uh, a seven-day 6K, and you can do it all by yourself. That means you run seven days in a row, and you run four miles a day. 
And so I did it. I said yes. And I'm so, so glad that I did. I was so glad that she was persistent because saying yes to her meant saying yes to a well being dug in, for clean water in Africa because what she invited me into was instantly so much bigger than myself. The, the first couple miles I ran, the pain, the sweat, all the reasons I hated running, I was thinking, this is for someone else to have water? That's pretty cool. So I was able to accomplish something I thought I never could, and, and spiritually and mentally, it, it, it really grew me. My, my dear friend, Lindsay, uh, had really invited me into something incredible. I had to get out of my own way, though. I had to get out of my comfort zone and say yes. Now, I tell you this story not to boast about my running a marathon, because I didn't. I ran a fake one. Um, <laughs> but I tell you this story because I think it shed some light on our scripture today. Let's take a look at John chapter 10. We're going to read verses 10 through 11 through 18. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I receive from my father. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So here, Jesus' I am statement is that he is the good shepherd, making a distinction between himself and the hired hand who runs away when there is any sign of danger. The hired hand cares ultimately for themselves, while the good shepherd ultimately cares for the sheep. The hired hand is there to do a job, the good shepherd is there to protect, nurture, and deliver the sheep at all costs. The good shepherd cares so much that no sacrifice is too great. Jesus illustrates this and, and, and emphasizes it by saying it five times in our passage. Five times in those verses, he says, the good shepherd lays down his life for us. Indeed, I can't think of anything that would prove his love for us more than his willingness to give his life for ours. In this way, we can be confident that the kind of love that God has for us is all in. There's no conditions. Nothing can stop it. It reminds me of my friend Lindsay, who's all in for global clean water. 
but in an even more and much more substantial way, much more substantial than God's love for us. And maybe that's what you need to hear this morning. If you hear nothing else, God is all in for you. I remember uh, in my younger in my faith, it started to like, become real to me that God loves not just me, but everyone. And, and God hears all of our prayers, and, and like, God's great enough to handle all of us and all of that. Yes, yes, he is. God is all in on you. This image of Jesus giving his life for us is often referred to as the greatest act of love the world has ever known. For many of us, many of us in this room, it was that very realization that led us to our faith in Jesus. It's when we realized how real and how true God's love was and is for us. And it's in this great sacrifice the sacrificial love that Jesus has, that God has for us, that we find our part in this passage. See, Jesus has been teaching those who follow him to do just that, to follow in his example. That we're a people who are supposed to be self-sacrificial with our love, putting others' needs before our own. In other words, the good shepherd leads us, his flock, to a life of self-sacrifice. Jesus reiterates this in John 15, 13. He says, no one has greater love than this, than to lay down his life for his friends. And Jesus demonstrated this to his disciples. He washed their feet. After he had washed their feet, he put on his robe and had reclined again, and he said to them, Do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for that is what I am. So, if I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have set you an example that you should do as I have done to you. And finally, this reminder from the Apostle Paul told the church in Philippi, do nothing from selfish ambition or empty conceit, but in humility regard others as better than yourselves. So the invitation uh, for us out of this text today is this, where has God been inviting you to selflessly love and serve someone else? What has God been inviting you into that you have felt resistance Maybe a close friend has asked you for years to run in a marathon and raise money for clean water in Africa. Maybe there's something else inherently you just say no to, like I did, that maybe God is inviting you to try. Maybe God is inviting you out of your comfort zone and into self-sacrificial love. As we continue remembering the beautiful life and work of Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King, I'm reminded of his mountaintop speech given the day before his assassination. I'm reminded of it because it's the very kind of self-sacrificing love that he was talking about. The night of his speech, he was standing by and supporting striking sanitation workers who were asking for equitable pay and better working conditions in Memphis, Tennessee. And he told the crowd, this. 
Be concerned about your brother. You may not be on strike, but either we go up together or we go down together. Let us develop a kind of dangerous unselfishness. He went on to retell the parable of the Good Samaritan, the story we all know so well. He imagined the priest and the Levite who didn't stop to help the beaten person on the side of the road didn't do so because it was dangerous. It was too dangerous. But the Samaritan man was able to see the man on the road as his brother, to project the I into the thou. King said, the first question that the Levite asked was, if I stop to help this man, what will happen to me? But then the good Samaritan came by and he reversed the question. If I do not stop to help this man, what will happen to him? He continued, that's the question before you tonight. Not if I stop to help the sanitation workers, what will happen to all of the hours that I usually spend in my office every day and every week doing my job. The question is not if I stop to help this man in need, what will happen to me? If I do not stop to help the sanitation workers, what will happen to them? That's the question. Ashley Brown is a colleague of my wife who is the chaplain at St. Andrew's Middle School here in Austin. And here's what she says to what we just read from Dr. King. She says, the kind of love Dr. King believed in, the kind of love that he was willing to die for, the kind of love that comes from God pushes against our inclination towards individualism and self-preservation and forces us to see and respond to the suffering of our neighbors as our own. It is tempting to allow our privilege and power to make us blind or complacent to the needs of others or to the injustices that don't impact us personally. It is tempting to care only about our own safety, our own happiness, our own flourishing. Sometimes you try to say the same thing in as many ways as possible. The theologian Warner, Warren Wiseby said it this way, self-preservation is the first law of physical life, but self-sacrifice is the first law of the spiritual life. Self-preservation is the first law of the physical life, but self-sacrifice is the first law of the spiritual life. Now, you may be saying to yourself, I don't run, or I'm too busy, my schedule's full, I don't know if I can do this, I don't know if I can add one more thing, if that's what the invitation is. But I want to offer you uh, this leadership thought from uh, Pastor Andy Stanley. He's a senior pastor of a large church in Atlanta, Georgia. He's a busy guy. Uh, between writing sermons and uh, preparing for teachings and lectures around the nation. He's, he's maxed out, but he's still the senior pastor of a church, and often congregants want to get together with him for counseling or advice or prayer. And so in a podcast, he talks about this tension in his life and the decision that he made being in this role. And here's what he said. He said, I try to do for one what I wish I could do for everyone. Try to do for one 
that which you wish you could do for many. See, the message that we're talking about here of self-sacrifice, it is very individual. It is very personal. But it's also collective for the church community. As we read in our passage, the good shepherd continues to gather his flock. The flock is incomplete. God's work of gathering his church is not done. Therefore, for us as a church, we must remember that we do not exist for ourselves. We exist for those who are not here yet. Friends, it may be uncomfortable to run a marathon when we don't like running. It may be uncomfortable to stand in a strike with a community of hurting people that we don't know. It may be uncomfortable to offer your life for someone else's, but this is our call. This is where our good shepherd leads us to respond to the crisis and pain in the world by doing just what he did, by offering ourselves to it, by going all in on a person or a community or a call the way that God has gone all in for us. The old hymn says that they will know we are Christians by our love. Let that love be the same love of the good shepherd. Let it be self-sacrificing. Amen.